O God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that, having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, um, in order to get us thinking in the uh, scene that we're about to go through, um, I, I I learned a good bit while I was preparing for this again, and we, we've been through Mark, so we've been through this story before, but I prepared it all from, like, I've never heard of that story again, So, um, which was beneficial to me. As uh, as a kid, I didn't grow up near water, um, so I'm not real experienced about anything with water, really. But when we go on family vacation, if we go near a lake, I'll rent us a boat, and we go out on the boat. And I, you know, I, I can make one move, and I can get it back, and I don't tear anything up. I haven't yet, anyway. But that's about the extent of my knowledge. And I always feel safe if we were on an uh, inland lake. And my thought is, if we were out on the ocean, it would be much more dangerous. And probably for me and my skill level, that's probably true. But what's interesting is, because of the topography that surrounds the oceans, and then the, the uh, uh, size of the ocean and such, plus the rhythm that the ocean is always in, the weather patterns are easier to predict out on the ocean than they are on m- most inland large lakes. And I found that kind of fascinating, because my opinion would have been that lakes got to be uh, much safer. But actually, because of the differing uh, topographical surroundings of a lake, the, the conditions can change rapidly. So this... Um, I heard, I heard about the, uh, read some about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald that Gordon Lightfoot sang that song about. Um, I think the song came out in 76. Uh, I think the boat wrecked in 75 on Lake Superior. And the, and the waves in that lake were as high as like three stories. So these are huge waves on this, on this inland lake that's, that's not the ocean. Well, so to even help my head understand that these things are possible just in your, in your surroundings of the things you know, um, the Sea of Galilee is it's below sea level, um, which I think is interesting to say that, how the sea is below the sea level. But, uh, but it, so it's very low, and then um, it's only five miles uh, wide and 13 miles long, but it's surrounded by differing... Uh, topography, and in some places it's surrounded by steep mountains with deep gorges. And so in these deep gorges, you can have lots of wind come down and stir, and then as you have the differing temperatures, then that's where things can get really nasty. And so it's not uncommon at all for that to be a very dangerous place because the conditions can change very quickly. So there's some background to that, but and, and we're going to talk about this Sea of Galilee here in just, just a second. But uh, I think in our lesson today, that the, what the point of this thing is, is that the Lord Jesus reveals himself as the sovereign Lord over all creation. And then he grows us spiritually through the storms of life. So I find this to be yet another challenging lesson for us. Um, 
And, you know, if you're like me, when you're in the midst of a storm, you're, you're kind of thinking, when can it end and when can I get on with the rest of my life? And through this lesson, we're going to learn about how he grows us in the midst of that storm. So we're going to look first at the storm that shakes. So if you'll look in uh, verses 22 through 23 with me. It says, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. So I read this uh, bunches of times, but uh, and this is so this is not an unfamiliar story to me at all. But uh, interesting in here when you think of the humanity of Jesus as well as the divinity of Jesus, how they're both beautifully displayed here in this story. So in the humanity of Jesus, he's. He's been out ministering. He's finally away from the people. He's getting um, a rest from his labors, and he's flat worn out. Um, and and to when when we understand the the kind of storm this is, it's really kind of amazing how well he was sleeping. Evidently, so and I I, I fell asleep one time at a NASCAR race. So I can sleep pretty much anywhere and any time, any you know anything. If I'm tired enough, that is, um, and evidently he was very tired, and he had, and that's that hum, the human humanity side of him, that human side of him, that Jesus is fully man, fully God, and in that fully man part in his physical body, it appears that he must have been flat worn out. So he crawls up to the front of the boat and lays down on a cushion and goes to sleep, and then this big storm comes, and if he was able to sleep in the midst of this storm. There's also that recognition of his relationship to his heavenly father. So like in the spiritual realm, even on while here in the physical, he felt so secure in his position and in his relationship and in his security that the father brings that he's able to put all things at, at uh, out of his mind and he's able to rest in the midst of this storm. Now this storm... Why it seems, and I, like I said, I've read this a bunch of the times, and I thought, well, okay, it's 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 a storm, and uh, we you know we've had we had a storm just the other day, and I, that's about how I relate to what I'm reading. Well, Luke uses a term for the, that we have translated into great windstorm, which more literally might say hurricane. So a hurricane of wind came on the lake. When Matthew writes about this, he uses a term that would be easily. Uh, translated as earthquake. So this is, this, is a, uh, this is a significant storm, and the, uh, it would appear that it came on rather quickly. And the disciples had no way to know, but this storm was divinely appointed for them to grow their faith. And here's, here's the tough reality. Here's the tough reality of, uh, and, and of this good news when, when, you know, many times we're sold this good news. If you'll come to Jesus, your life will get better. Well, tell that to these disciples at this point. They're, they are, they came to Jesus. They're with Jesus and they feel like they're going to perish. They really believed that this was the end. But the reality is without trials and tribulations and difficulties and even failures in this life, we would not grow in our understanding of grace. In fact, I think it's true that most of the time you talk to a real believer who's undergoing some horrendous trial in their life, they'll talk about how 
in the midst of that affliction, they've been brought closer to the Lord. I have a, I have a buddy that I uh, visit with a good bit, and um, we were talking about the condition of the church, and I said to him, uh, he, his, and his, his history is with his, his wife has undergone all kinds of uh, physical trials and had different sicknesses and what have you, and, and she doesn't take a reasonably good day for granted at this point. Um, but we were talking about the condition of the church, and I said, well, where would you be if it weren't for your wife's trials? If it weren't, if it weren't for her illnesses, where would you be with the Lord? And he said, well, okay. and I hadn't thought of it that way. And I'm like, yes, no, we, we, in our natural, we wouldn't normally think of it that way. But they had been driven to deep prayer, to sincere prayer, to sincerely seeking the Lord, to being in his word, to see what he had to say because of her life being on the line multiple times. The reality is if we've never experienced trials, if, if, our, uh, if, if we never had any tribulation in our life, we had no suffering, our lives would be flat and one-dimensional. We would be so self-serving that we would have no room for compassion for others. You know, many times we can have compassion for others because of the issues we've gone through, and, and we've seen how the Lord carries us through these things. And then we can speak a word of encouragement to a brother or sister who's struggling in the same kind of thing. This storm was put into their path to move them to that next level of faith. It was this, this storm, because it was in their path and it's going to move them to the next level of faith, one thing it did is it exposed who they trusted. Perhaps you, in your life, are in the midst of some sort of storm right now. And I find, I find that in the midst of these storms, it does this very thing to us, that it exposes who we trust. And this storm you know, that you're going through, it could be that um, there are too many bills to pay. There could be worry over a, over a child. It could be you have concerns for loved ones who need to know the Lord. You, can, you or someone you know may be struggling with health issues. And it seems like there's not the ability to ever get a break. As soon as something happens uh, that looks like they're going to come out of it, something else goes uh, bad and, and, and the struggle just continues. When the midst of your deepest despair, seek to meet with the risen Savior. And he will guide you to new markers of depth of faith which will become new high points in your entire life as you look back. And I, I, am, I am reminded of, of times in my life, we talk about when my sisters gathered around both mom, mom died in 2001, dad died in 2010, and my two sisters and I would gather and we would be there as much as we could to help and serve, and we were there at the end for both of them. And when... Remembering those times, you're, we can remember them as very sweet times of the Lord, of, of being with the Lord and his presence being very real. And it seems very weird to talk about the death of your parent and then talk about how it was a sweet time. But uh, my sisters, unprompted, would tell you the same thing. And it really was a very sweet time and, and the presence of the Lord was there. And so we, we, uh, we knew that and we celebrated in him and we celebrated their home going. And... But make no mistake about it, we also were very troubled and very sad. And so these, are, these things are in the midst of that, 
And it was a real trial, a real suffering for us um, to do that. But when you look back and you're saying, when, were, when, when can you remember times where you're closest to the Lord? I can, I can name a few, but those things are going to be in it. So it's, it's those, those times when you're seeking the Lord in the midst of your trials that they can become markers of your faith deepening, your roots growing deeper. You know, without, without, the, without the wind and the adversity of the seasons, your trees will never grow roots. So that's what's happening with us. So these storms are going to come, but the question becomes, how do you respond? And so we're going to look at their response, uh, the response to the storms. Verse 24 says, And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. In Mark's gospel, it was stated more dramatically. They said, Teacher... Do you not care that we are perishing? So I, I, that I think is interesting that the of the two different ones. And do you, so one, one thing to proclaim that you're perishing, which I could imagine, but I think this is helpful to understand what uh, Mark's trans, Mark, Mark's gospel says, because it gets to um, kind of the heart of the issue. And they wondered if he even cared here. So do you do you not care that we're perishing? So they, they had seen him do all kinds of miracles. They'd seen him raise dead people to life. Um, I, don't, I don't know how it gets more miraculous than that. He's, he's, they've seen him heal all kinds of people. And yet they feared. Now, it, and, it's, and it's quite understandable for their fear. It's very, very natural. It would be odd if they didn't have any fear. The storm was raging and the boat was taking on water and Jesus, their leader, is asleep. The one who has been able to do some miracles is still sleeping at the head of the boat. Well, they wanted to know the same thing that we all want to know when we're in the midst of suffering or trials or tribulations. God, do you know? Do you know of my problem? And do you care? That's what we all want to know. How often have you seen God prove his faithfulness, bringing his word to bear in your life. You recognize a promise that he's given, and then you recognize living into that promise and how he has kept that promise. How many times have you experienced those things, but yet when suffering comes, are you able to look forward to the process of being refined by that suffering? Or are you still asking, as the disciples did, Lord, do you know? Do you care? I think a lot of times when affliction strikes, we feel very alone, very isolated. And we can even begin to think that we are alone away from God, that God is not with us. And when we begin to doubt, we need rebuked as these disciples needed rebuked. Of course he cared. And, the, and, 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 and again... In the natural, and you're in that situation, I think, I think they're, be, they're being anxious for their life is very uh, real and very reasonable. But I think what's not reasonable is they're doubting Jesus' care for them. Here they are in the midst of this boat. They're in the care of Jesus. Even if the boat sunk, they were going to be in the care of Jesus. This is good stuff where they should be recognizing and appreciating the relationship that he's had with them or they've had with him and recognize that there's not anything that's happening that's beyond his awareness and control. 
So it's not that he just knows it, but he's also able to control it. He knows every wave that's beating against the boat. He knows what your heart rate is in that situation. He, he, knows, he knows it all. And he is the designer, the creator, the sustainer of the whole world. So we seek him for that provision to see that the storm will pass. We need to feed on his word so that we grow confident in his ability to keep his word, so that we understand his promises and believe them and see where he's kept his word over and over again. And especially in a world where we have doubts about lots of things, this is something that will remain true forever. There will be storms of life, and we need to learn how to respond so that we can then go through those storms in, in Jesus and then experience his peace. So Jesus calms the storms of life. The verse continues. It says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, I don't know how. In fact, I think when we get a better picture here, I think there are two miracles going on here. I don't know how they did it, but they were able to do something that the storm couldn't do. They woke Jesus up. And, and, and I'm thinking if he, was, if he was that worn out that he was able to sleep, would a little shaking of him actually wake him up? I don't know how they did this. And it may have had something to do with him being, you know, the shepherd and them, them the sheep, and they, they know his voice and he knows theirs or something. And may, maybe that has something to do with it. Because he's asleep in the midst of this gigantic storm, yet they're able to wake him up. I think that piece is just amazing in itself. But they wake, wake him up, and then he rebukes the wind and the waters, and then there's silence. There's calm that comes. All three, all three Gospels express the uh, suddenness of, of which the storm stopped upon Jesus rebuking. And so they're in the midst of, of fearing for their life. There's waves crashing against the side of the boat. It's got to be noisy. You've got to have sails. Sails flapping in the big winds have got to be noisy. These men who are, I don't know what they're doing, crying, wailing, the gnashing of teeth kind of thing. Surely it's not just the one calling Jesus who's trying to wake him up is the only noise there. And, then, and, and all the water splashing and all those kinds of things going on. And he speaks, and then it's calm. Immediately, it's calm. But Jesus' voice pierced the silence. And he said to them, where is your faith? See, that fear was natural, but their doubting of, his, of him able to keep the relationship, which they had experienced by this point for probably three years, and now they're doubting of whether that relationship is real. It should have been proved to them through all they had been through, that that relationship is worthy of their trust. So they should have been clinging to that relationship when life may be being pulled away from them. Then we see their reaction more so. It says, and they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? So they are in awe at this point. It's that awestruck thing. And we've seen this before. Uh, P- Peter gets this way um, when when you recognize that holiness of God, this 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 otherness of this human side of Jesus. There's this otherness to him. 
And they're, they're familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures. And the Old Testament Scriptures, in many, many places, talk about how God is the one who uh, controls everything in nature, including uh, Psalm 65, verse 7. It's a, it, it speaks of one who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the tumult, tumult of the peoples. So the... Old Testament scriptures, in the Psalms, so these things they would have sung, these things would have been in them, and they would have known that Jesus is revealing himself as the creator and sustainer of the universe right here in their boat, in the midst of the storm. And so they stand back in awe and fear that kind of trembling. So they, were, they, were, they had a different kind of fear. They were, they were afraid for their lives. They were afraid they were going to perish. Now there's a different kind of fear, and it's that awestruck fear in the presence of a holy God who is capable of speaking and calming the storm. It wasn't lost on them that just by his word he was able to take control of the natural forces. As the creator and sustainer of the universe from, from all the galaxies that exist and they continue to find more, and you say, okay, well, he's still the creator and sustainer of all that, even down to the finest and tiniest molecule that makes up the smallest of creation. He's the one who creates and sustains all these things. And he does that by the word of his power, so the scriptures say. All things were created through him and for him, the scriptures say. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. So with Jesus being this creator and sustainer of all things, he is far capable to meet every need we have in this life and the one to come. It also means that there's nothing that happens that's beyond his understanding, his ability to control. And we should be comforted in this truth. As we experience these storms of life, we should be comforted in that reality that he is the sovereign Lord of the universe and who, has, who is able to speak and bring calmness with his word. We, we take comfort in that truth because storms will come, and as we cling to him, we, will be, we, we could be in the midst of the, of the storm, but still have peace as we go through it because we're looking to him and not ourselves. And I think many times that's what the storm is doing for us. It's stripping us of our uh, ability to perform. It's stripping us of our independence, ma- making us grow in our dependence on him. So may you be encouraged to recognize that, uh, uh, yet again, in in perhaps a new and fresh way, that in the midst of this common and uh, familiar passage, that we are reminded that he is the creator and sustainer of all things. Nothing happens out of his control. Nothing happens that it surprises him. And that he is with you in the midst of your trials. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray.